Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is May 29th, 2017, and this is episode 203. My name is Jake English. And I am Charlie Hoppus. And Charlie, as you may have noticed, is not Scott Magnus. Our thanks to Charlie for stepping in to pinch hit while Scotty takes a well-deserved day off. On today's show, we will try to convince ourselves that the Dark Ages have not returned. And we're also going to pitch some products that just may help this team pull out of its collective funk. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. So, Charlie, what are you getting into this week? Well, Jake, uh, bleach. I'm uh, I'm, I'm drinking uh, drinking bleach, Jake. Um, I'm not drinking bleach. That would be bad, and I don't condone it for anybody. I am drinking Brass Monkeys. Uh, which is equally trashy. That for, sounds almost as unpleasant. <laughs> uh, for those of you that, that don't know, it's half Colt 45, half orange juice. Um, it's as trashy as the last week has made me feel. That is truly frightening. I am drinking a product called Monty Python's Holy Grail, <laughs> Amber Gold Ale Tempered Over Burning Witches. Yes, <laughs> this is a real product, and it's actually not awful. On a scale of one to burning witches, it is it is below the burning witches. There's no uh, there's no copyright issues on that. Everyone's good with. No, I I think it's legit. Uh, yeah, I th- I think they're in on the joke, which <laughs> you know is the whole thing. Uh, up top it reads, "Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries." They they did their homework, Charlie. <laughs> they did their homework, uh, and it you know it it got me to buy the product. So if you're curious as to what I'm putting in my mouth, uh, whether it be bleach or beer, please get social with us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. You can find Scotty at M A G N eight six zero six, and you can find me at local bars in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. You know, I just might do that. I just might do that. <laughs> so I'm going to turn off this game. Three hours could be better spent in Carlisle, PA. So with that, I think it's about time that we talk about things that hurt, as we will all episode, and take a dip into the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. I'm going to listen to your heartbeat you up ready to go it's okay if you giggle this will only tickle a little time for your checkup time for your checkup all right charlie so the medical wing this week is uh is a little empty but the impact is great and if you uh heard last week's episode and i'm sure you and the rest of the free world did not i have a theory about Ryan Flaherty and Zach Britton. I don't think Ryan Flaherty is hurt. I think he's on the disabled list so that they can harvest something from his shoulder and put it back in to Zach Britton. It's the only explanation that makes sense. He's a he's always been a selfless team player. Uh, Mr. F is is that sort of guy. And I think you know whether it's it's harvesting ligaments uh, or harvesting organs. He'll do his his part to contribute to the, the team, so that that makes sense. That's a sound theory. I don't really care about Anthony Sartan, uh, Santander, the Rule Five draft pick. We're just uh, biding time until we have to give him back. But let's talk about the Cap Ten. Uh, Adam Jones on the shelf day to day with not only a left hip issue but also an ankle issue. He wasn't in the starting lineup starting on the twenty seventh. Uh, Charlie, how big a deal is this? Well, uh, he's one of the few people that has been, you know. As of late, hitting well. Um, 
or at least it seems it seems that way. Uh, it it hurts. It hurts. Uh, the depth of our outfield is in numbers and not in quality. Uh, so yeah, losing somebody like Adam Jones is is it's just brutal. <laughs> it, when it rains, it pours. Is there any end in sight? Do you think that he'll come back to us anytime soon, or or does it? Do you think it's the type of thing that that looks bad and is bad? I I think. <laughs> Uh, this is going to sound pretty pessimistic. Tell me if this sounds familiar, though. Somebody comes back from the disabled list from something small, and then for the rest of the season hits 220 and 10 home runs. You shut your mouth. <laughs> right? Like that? It sounds like he's in for a J.J. Hardy rest of the season. Oh, man. So you're telling me that the season is going well enough uh, <laughs> that you're just convinced that nothing but sadness is coming back to us? Uh, No. No. I don't know. Like. That was not convincing, it's by the a, way. That was not. It's been a bad week. Well, here, let, let's 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 pull back the curtain a little bit for the listeners. You emailed me to take take Scotty's place this week on May twenty first. That night, the Orioles lost three to one to the Blue Jays, and then they never won again, uh, ever until today. But basically, ever. So you're telling me that it's your fault? I'm saying that the day that we did decide to record, they won. And so we need to record an episode every day for the rest of the season. Sorry, Scott. I, I think you're almost right. I think that Scott and I need to continue doing it what it is that we do and that you need to get yourself and maybe <laughs> some of your uh, some of your friends together and get back behind the microphones. That's that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> we were really, really close to reviving Orioles spastics. Uh, we did some promo materials. And then uh, the day came for us to to start recording, and everyone re- remembered how much we hated editing and actually recording and podcasts, pretty much all of it. So we just didn't do it. Charlie, nobody likes a tease. <sighs> yeah, we sent you guys like we sent you promos. You guys got all excited. Birds, our uh, uh, Baltimoreans were emailing us back all at Twitter. Nope, nope. Did you just say Twitter? I I did. Did I say Twitter? I must have said to him. This is the time that we generally do uh, Orioles baseball in 140 characters or fewer. Let's go to this week on the Twitters. And uh, I would like to start with something that I'm calling a very good tweet. This comes from Alex Conway, who tweets at Alex Conway CC. He writes over at Camden Chat, and you should make sure that you read his stuff. He tweets as follows. I wonder if Chris Davis thinks that some of his swings are deferred as well. That is good. That is that is the kind of tweet that I wish I had thought of myself, and reading it makes me sad because I'm not as clever. There was a, a whole article today that was just, I think the title was something like, Chris Davis not seeing the ball well. And then it was like 20 paragraphs about Chris Davis just not seeing the ball until it's on top of the plate, which is not what you want, I don't think. I mean, it's not what you want. <laughs> it's not what you want. Looks like up next we have hashtags dongs in the day. Uh, regarding Wednesday afternoon's game, uh, which was field trip day, as you may recall, lots of lots of schools brought their. I mean, just like the entire lower bowl was filled with young impressionable children. And uh, Josh Sadlock uh, at Josh Sadlock tweets, "Not sure what the Orioles were thinking, inviting thousands of children to a snuff film." Uh, <laughs> that was too good not to put on the, this week on the Twitters. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what they were thinking either. Um, dark. Next, let's go over to a tweet from Camden Depot, who tweets at Camden Depot. Facebook commenter says that you cannot trade Mancini because he's a quote-unquote proven Hitler. A bit harsh. And I think that this says something terrible about us as a society. When things get bad, right, things are so polarized, and I don't mean politically in our country. I mean, people get after each other when the baseball team starts losing and Twitter's a very bad place. And you're even seeing uh, reductio ad Hitlerum here in Orioles Twitter. And it's just, it makes me sad. 2017, uh, it's just not been a good year. I I, uh, won't repeat it on here, but the replies to that tweet uh, at Camden Depot, if you choose to take a trip down a rabbit hole of really bad Hitler jokes. Uh, that's all you. That's 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 on you, and I'm not going to necessarily encourage it. I don't think uh, that was there when I put it in there, and now I'm really excited <laughs> to go back. It's dark. It's it's just the one, but it's it's a it's puns and dark, and yeah, it's it's no good. Um, 
our friend Brian, and I'm going to butcher this name, which is a, a staple from my old podcast, Brian Manorino. What do you think? Manorino? It works for me. All right. So at Leave 83 um, says, I can confidently say that the Orioles are currently playing the worst baseball in all of MLB. And, yeah, I don't watch, I don't watch a lot of other teams. That, I mean, that's got to be right, though, right? It feels right. <laughs> and, and whether or not it is right, it feels right, which is good enough for me. If it if there are is a worse team that I don't want that to exist for anybody. Uh, no, there are certain fan bases that I wish that upon. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I want to go to a tweet with which I did not agree, but it did make me think. And this tweet came from Ryan Wagner, who tweets, of course, R Wags six one four. And the tweet is as follows. Once again, the negativity of this platform, meaning Twitter, forcing me to look away. I miss what Twitter used to be, or maybe what I perceived it to be. And I think that's an interesting uh, thought experiment. I, I got back on, on the Twitters with him, went back and forth, and, and uh, tried to make the point that I was not being argumentative, but was actually trying to use uh, my brain, which hurts. Uh, but I don't think that what we're seeing on Orioles Twitter has anything to do with the platform or people being negative. I, I think that it's just like that on the phones, on the radio after an Orioles loss. I think it's just like that on, on Facebook. or any, I think people are just negative when you go through a really awful spell of baseball and I, and I also feel like twitter is just as as extremely more fun when the orioles are going through a you know winning 10 of 12 type of spell um but this this tweet did make me think about you know how we utilize twitter as an orioles fan base community and, and i will say one thing that i do think that there's a difference between acting out emotionally on social media to express extreme frustration, which has its own merits, I, I guess. So I think there's a difference between that and then between enjoying a little communal gallows humor, <laughs> right? which I feel like is certainly what we here at Bird's Eye View try to do. And, and I know that a lot of my feed looks that way. And clearly, you know, Ryan's feed and our feed is, is nothing alike because he has real friends. Um, but it's something that I think we should all think about. As these games are going on and maybe things are not going so well for us and after the game is over and, and you're, you, you know, the last of the hometown bread commercials rings in our ears, you know, perhaps it's time to think a little bit about taking a deep breath before we tweet. So Ryan, again, I didn't necessarily agree with it, but it was a, it was a nice thought uh, piece for me and I, I appreciate the conversation as always. See, and I, I, for me, I, don't understand either of your points because Twitter, <laughs> while it is is absolutely hilarious and a blast, it is also just a absolute cesspool. It's just a uh, and, and Orioles. I will say Orioles Twitter is better than most uh, most Twitter communities. Uh, baseball Twitter in general tends to be better than most. Uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Twitter is not a cesspool. People, Charlie, are cesspools. <laughs> any any collection of human beings is inherently awful. Um, well, I mean, I think we could really dig into a philosophical discussion of uh, the nature of, of humanity. St. Baltimoreans, when you leave, this is what happens. The amateur hour <laughs> takes over. Yeah, I, I think I think it's best left to uh, Sam Digman and Alan Smith. Uh, but... Well, you know what? Let's just move on. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to our next tweet uh, from Dylan Atkinson, of course, uh, D Atkinson, OU. He says Orioles are now 25 and 23. They currently have a seven-game losing streak and have lost 13 of their last 16 games. This is the opposite of fun. Oof. I have to say, I think that's pretty solid analysis. Oof. Um, and one last one last tweet here. Um, I included this. It's from one of my favorite accounts um, in the baseball Twitter world. Uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue. Um, one half of them is, if you do not know, is an Orioles fan named Jake. Um, so you know that would never work. <laughs> I just I felt like it was appropriate. Cespedes Family Barbecue tweets: Hello, my name is Jake. Hi, Jake. And I'm coming to grips with the fact that my favorite baseball team, the Baltimore Orioles, might be bad. Jake? Yeah, I, I, uh, I actually retweeted this from my own account and just said, same, same. <laughs> it's, it's been rough. 
Mm. Let's. You, you <sighs> seem you seem like you're struggling, and and this is a topic that needs more than what the this week on the Twitters can provide. Charlie, let's take a quick break, take a swig of whatever it was that you were drinking, and let's come back and have a deeper discussion. Poison, Jake. Yeah, let's go. The Orioles are not very good right now, and that is being generous. The Baltimore Orioles are every bit as fun to watch as they were from 1998 to 2011. And that is not hyperbole. The Orioles, before today, had lost their last seven consecutive games. They had lost 12 out of the last 15. They've lost games in a lot of ways. They're coming up on the short end of pitching duels, with good performances from guys like Bundy and Gosman going to waste. They're giving up big leads and letting their doors get blown off. It's been really terrible to watch. Now, the difference between the good Orioles of 2012 and on and the old Orioles is that they found a way to avoid long funks. In the old days, a month would go by, and you'd look at the schedule and realize, oh my gosh, in that 25-game stretch, the Orioles only won five games. Five-game losing streaks would be broken up by a win or two, followed by another multi-losing game streak, and it would just it would go on and on and on. But since 2012, the difference has been that the Orioles have managed to keep those losing streaks few and far between. If they rattle off a five-game losing streak, they followed up with a winning streak. So here we are. The Orioles have looked pretty terrible for four of the last five series. Charlie, I ask you this. Have the dark ages returned, or is this just a bad stretch of baseball? Bear with me here. I think that it doesn't matter what the answer to that question is. Um, if if it is a bad stretch of baseball, we're about to head back to um, a pennant race. You know, maybe not maybe not a a World Series year, but at the very least, a competitive year uh, that keeps us entertained through August and September uh, on the edge of our seats, frustrated with you know the day to day of. Orioles baseball, um, which we've seen the, the bad side of for a week straight, uh, two weeks straight. Uh, and if the Dark Ages have returned, I think it's not going to be 14 years of it. Those teams back then were so incredibly incompetent from top to bottom. The, the, we, we know now in retrospect that the team culture was trash. The front office was clueless, had no plan, often had multiple people weighing in on minute front office decisions, uh, mediocre to poor managing uh, with no buy-in from the players that then have to spend a whole half a year together. Uh, so if, if things are indeed going south, it will, I believe, serve as a jolt to the powers that be to shake up the formula of strikeouts and homers on offense, uh, waiver wire pickups on the pitching staff. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll get to see a change, a change of that formula. Is the team as bad <laughs> as they've looked in the um, last two weeks? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I I do. I, I don't think I don't think everybody is as bad as uh as they've looked in the last two weeks. Um, I don't think that's possible. They just wouldn't be major league baseball players. Um, but you you, you know you got to see this coming sometime, right? I, the the classic the classic all of us all of us have so loved those articles of how are the Orioles doing this thing that is so deeply unsustainable. I've retweeted them. I posted them on Facebook to people that just do not care about my love for the Orioles. And I'm like, look, see, math is bad. The Orioles have math beat. Check it out. And we and we've done it since 2012. Um, you know, to varying degrees of wildness. Uh, even our even our not so great years have what blown people's expectations completely out of the water. It's one gigantic regression of the mean Jake. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. Um. Man. But can they literally be 
can they literally be all this bad at the same time? Because that's the thing that drives me nuts is that you're you're having two things happening where it's like uh, the pitching is terrible. And oh, by the way, also the hitting is terrible. And it seems to me like in, in years past, the hitting would just do this thing where it was like, you know what? Climb up on my back because I'm about to go nuts and I'm about to carry you through whatever it is you got going on. And occasionally, very briefly and very strangely, then the pitching would rattle off some some quality starts and be like, oh, no, it's okay for you to score just a couple runs unless it's the ALCS in 2014. And we'll carry you through until you get better again. And the bullpen has just been consistently good. At, we're, at times, we're getting good starts with no hitting. At times, we're getting you know seven-run productions only to see the, the, the uh, pitching staff give up 14 runs in the same game. I would think eventually that would even out, and eventually you would see a wave, you know, like a sine wave of, you know, the pitching is up and and that carries the team, and then, yeah, it's down, and maybe a little while later the hitting is up and it it carries the team. It just seems like watching the team recently, anything that (laughs) – Murphy's Law hit so hard and so fast that it's just been unbearable to watch, and just from a – from a statistical standpoint, it seems so unlikely for so much misfortune yeah, rock, paper, to happen all again and again and again. It's uh, to me. It's, right. <laughs> Why on, does it right. keep coming up so, tails? So I coach. I coach ultimate frisbee. I coach a college team and I coach um, a top level club team, one of the best teams in the in the country. And we talk all the time on um, the, the Philadelphia team about you know the difference between. Good teams, okay teams, and like, you know, really great teams. It's just consistency. Um, there's going to be every, every team in baseball is going to go through stretches where they're going to do, you know, amazing things. And that's great, but you can't bank on it. You can't take that to the bank. You can't, you know, it's nice that, that scope hits all those home runs, but you also got to get on base sometimes. It, it's, it's those things tend to, build on themselves and it's not so much about raising the ceiling to to see how how great your team can be on any given day but sort of raising the floor so that you don't you don't have these stretches of of bottoming out and i think we all knew that the floor could be this and of course we wouldn't imagine that it would stay like this for a while but the way the team's constructed it's it's possible for that to happen and it's been possible for a long time we've been playing with with house money with that, you know? And so to, to raise, raise the floor to, to, you know, put together quality outfield depth, to put together quality, uh, starting rotation depth instead of, you know, the, the Norfolk shuttle. Um, those things are important and they, they, they raise the floor and they keep, they keep the bottom from dropping out of, of a team. And that's just what we're seeing. I was prepared for you to be way more positive than this. Uh, I'm, I was. I, was, I needed so, you to pull so me back on. from let me, the let ledge. Me say this, can, can we talk about the, a... the difference between even right now, as ugly as it's been, and it's been so ugly. It's been so ugly. It's it's been so much more enjoyable. I, I think I think we're a tiny bit spoiled. Thinking back to to that stretch of fourteen losing seasons, if anything happened forget winning streaks forget if anything good happened at all it was uh i mean it's just worth it if we had if we had manny machado on any of those teams even if we didn't win an extra game for him but we got to see that defense all the time we got to see the occasional flashes of oh my god this guy might be one of the best players in baseball uh we would have that to to cling to you know and and the the daily joy of watching manny machado hasn't for me gone away the 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 joy of having a, a dylan bundy start that's like oh we might have a real a real thing on our hands here is exciting even if we lose if we adjust our expectations um you know so so i mean having having your offense explode for 11 runs or eight runs and then you end up losing 11 eight <laughs> that's that sucks but it's it's better than, you know, watching offenses where your cleanup hitter is Jeff Conan. I, I can't get on board here because the thing is that once 2019 happens and the team is officially 
dear God, I hope, rebuilding and trying to get better again and hopefully doing it in fewer than 14 years. I'm going to be okay with that again. I'm going to be okay with signing a player and say, oh, it's Jay Payton. He's the valedictorian of summer school. Awesome. Let me watch him for a couple of years and get excited when he gets a walk instead of a strikeout. That That's okay because that is a single level of expectation. But we have a very small window here, smaller and smaller all the time, for the team to do anything meaningful, to, for the team to do anything meaningful with the time they have with Manny Machado, for the the time that they may have with Adam Jones, who I think is is you know quickly becoming one of the great greater Orioles. Will will you know, gentlemen of our age, will have seen, you know, maybe the time that we have Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman on the team at the same time. You know, maybe the time that we have Zach Britton, you know, knock on on Ryan Flaherty's shoulder. This is the time for things to happen, and the expectations have to be greater than, oh, well, boy, howdy, if I go to the ballgame tonight and I catch a foul ball, everything's going to be fine. I I can't watch this team the way it's constructed and just be okay with what I saw over the last two weeks. I watched 14 years of that, and I loved the team, and I went out to the ballpark all the time, and, and I made excuses to feel good about myself, and that's cool, and I will do that again very happily, but not now. Now is the time where I don't have to do that, or at least that was what that was right. the bill of and, goods and I that I was sold. I think that doubles back to my original point, which is the people in place now in the leadership of the organization, all the way through the leadership of the clubhouse, is so much stronger that if indeed this is you know using up a year of our window, which as you say is closing, um, but it's. It's a wake-up call that makes our front office think differently about the ways that they are building building the roster. To me, that's I mean that that's worth the loss of a season to to really refocus and change the mindset of the way that these teams are are being built. Every year, it's been awesome to see the Orioles do well, but you can't feel you know, in any sort of rational way, like, man, this team is a bona fide championship contender until they start playing like one. Um, and so it doesn't take much for it doesn't take much, like I said, for the bottom to drop out on that um, building something that that is more sustainable, that has more depth, that has more strength and not just throwing throwing, you know, triple A pitchers against a wall and see who sticks. It, it's, it's to me worth losing that that year for a bigger shot at, at our window next year and the year after that. Yeah, but that, that would be cool if not for the fact that, you know, Duquette et, et al. are gone after 2018, not only, you know, just Manny and Jones and Tillman and et, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a new front office. It's going to be a new leadership structure. And and how how do you, how can you say with such certainty that new people who are not in place now are going to learn from the mistakes. Well, all the more reason are, then, right. If, if Duquette's out all the more reason for Duquette to push his chips in. Right. Uh, which is, would be very different from his, his mindset, yeah. you know? Well, no, I, that's, that's why we don't have anything in the minors. That's why we don't have any international signing bonus or, or slot money. You know, I, I feel like uh, Dan Duquette has <sighs> damned the torpedoes and put all his chips in. I, I don't know. To me, it feels like God, it feels like uh, wise gambling. I don't think he's he's pushed all in. You know what I mean? He, he's he's it, it's been you know a couple prospects for uh, Andrew Miller, and it turns out the prospects we give up are are really damn good, and they panned out pretty nicely. But making that trade makes a lot of sense. If you want to if you want to contend, you saw what Andrew Miller did for the Indians. You don't sure. even have to change your mindset or change the names. Anything. It's that exact guy. And he did it for us, really, in that same offseason. You make that same trade. If if that's not that's not, you know, selling the farm. That's not that's not going big after a free agent. Our, our biggest free agent signing from outside uh, in the Duquette area remains Ubaldo Jimenez, um, who even at the time was somebody that yeah, we paid we paid some money for, but nobody nobody was over the moon about that signing. It was just the cost of pitching. <laughs> All right, you, you uttered the name, and so I think if you utter it two more times in the mirror in the dark, uh, he will appear before us. But let's let's go there. Let's let's talk about Abaldo Jimenez. He has been removed from the uh, from the starting rotation. He's been put in the bullpen, um, and then he had a 
the dude that, that took his place, uh, Alec Asher, had an awful uh, start, and he had, you know, a decent. I um, know oh, he had a good. He had a, he had a, he had a good um, uh, relief appearance. Do you think he I gets? I can't his think of anything start? wrong with keeping he gets his job back. Ubaldo Jimenez in the bullpen. What's the worst thing could that could happen from an appearance out of the bullpen from Ubaldo Jimenez? What's the worst thing that could happen if we brought in Ibaldo Jimenez from the bullpen? Ibaldo Jimenez What's could pitch? The literal worst thing that could happen if Ubaldo Jimenez came in in, let's say, a really big pressure situation with like the season on the line out of the bullpen. <laughs> it can't you're, get you're worse. Feelings, <laughs> the experiment Charlie. can't get worse. It's already hit its bottom. <laughs> on national television. And then everybody made uh, fun of our I, favorite manager for like months. Charlie, talking about this team is not fun. Um, let me talk about uh, another aspect of the team that's not fun. Manny Machado is struggling at the plate. Is he going to get off the struggle bus, or is this just going to uh, yeah, be I mean, a, just a looks rough like he's season pressing. for him? It, it just looks like he's pressing. It, I, it, it, to me, feels you know, spiritually the same way as the Adam Jones you know, eighth inning plate appearance, where he's going to hit a uh, a liner off the wall that puts a dent in it, or he's going to more likely swing at a slider that bounces three feet in front of the plate as hard as he can. Here's here's what's more frustrating that, that that he's not doing well is the fact that not only is he not doing well, but he's not doing well, and if he has a bad season, it will make yeah. him no cheaper to sign. He'll have zero impact on any of that. He, he sucks, and... Uh, we get to pay for the premium, or you know, the Yankees too, whatever. Um, Mark Trumbo was never going to be as good as he was last year. He is uh, not as good as he was last year. Do you think he he makes up any of the difference, or do you think that the Orioles just uh, squander uh, thirty seven million dollars? <laughs> this is this is the thing with with again the lineup as is constructed. It's it's every player is feast or famine. And you're right. We shouldn't lose rock, paper, scissors this many times in a row for it to be this way. He will not be this bad for forever. Uh right? Hey, your guess is better than mine. Because two games into the losing streak, I would have been like, ah, we're fine. Three games in, I was like, no, things are gonna turn around. By by game seven, I was just rocking in a corner wondering when yeah. it was gonna be over. Yeah, it's and and these are not even the players that are struggling the worst. Like they're they're absolutely struggling. They're not even the bottom of of the barrel here for us <laughs> in terms of players that are supposed to be contributors. Even well, t- t- tell me, Charlie, who should I be sad about? Feed me your sadness, sir. My sad, my my deepest sadness is is Chris Davis. I mean, just sad. I don't even like. In fact, I don't even want to talk about it. Like it's just like sad. Well, I, I have a I have a thought, Charlie, tell about me, how to everything. fix Chris Davis. It, it's a it's a great idea, and it's a way to dig up some money so that we can also afford to to purchase Manny Machado's <laughs> services for the next uh, however many years it takes to, to sign him. Look, let's let's do this. Let's uh, take a quick break. I'm going to refill my drink of the week. We'll come back, and I will tell you what this great plan is. Charlie, I teased it at the end of the last segment, but I've come up with the best idea. It's a money-making scheme. It is not a Ponzi scheme. Uh, th- that, is, oh, that is for a team oh, in New York. Jake. Uh, this is a product. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I look, I just, I'm, excited. I'm excited for this. That, I just that, sprinkled that, it uh, in. Put me on my hip, though. <laughs> go, go, just go. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we just sprinkle it in. It's fine. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> look, this is a product that I think can, can make money and um, – but look, just telling you about it, I don't think does it justice. I think what we need to do in order to pitch this to the front office is we need to make some really uh, impressive commercials, maybe uh, standing in khakis and a blue shirt yelling at the screen. Um, so if you will indulge me, I think it might go a little something like this. 
Hi, Jake from Bird's Eye View here for The Swing, the easy way to put the ball in play. Are you trying to advance a runner to third when you're hopelessly overmatched at the plate? The Swing helps turn your at-bat from, oh no, to pofo. Runners in scoring position with the game on the line? The Swing's patented gravity-defying motion brings the bat through the zone and strikes the baseball, statistically increasing the chances of something happening that helps your ball club. But that's not all. There are so many ways that the swing can improve your game. With the swing, no more watching strike three. The swing can disrupt a catcher from trying to throw out your teammate at second base. Apply the swing liberally when you've gotten ahead of the pitcher and a fastball is likely. The swing is perfect for regulation games, batting practice, home run derbies, and even a quick game of pepper. But wait, you don't have to take my word for it. The swing can do this. One, two delivery, a towering fly ball to center field. Buxton back of the wall. Goodbye, home run. Chris Davis, 400 plus. It was Rimmel in the inner left field. Pretty good wood, Rosario going back. Rosario at the wall. And goodbye, home run. And the Orioles are on the board. Manny Machado. 1-0 delivery, fly ball, left center field. Buxton going back at the wall. Only the power of the swing can defy the no-hitter. Only the revolutionary use of the swing can turn a major league pitch into a souvenir. With the swing, you'll find hundreds of game-winning uses. Act now and we'll send you a large bottle of the swing for the low, low price of $19.99. That's enough for a whole series worth of at-bats. Order now and I'll triple the offer absolutely free. We'll even include a travel-sized container for away games and the swing ideas guide written in English, Korean, Spanish, Dutch, and whatever other languages Jonathan Scope is speaking these days. That's right, you'll get everything for just $19.99. Call now. Call 410-360-0198 to order the swing and receive this triple offer all for $19.99. That's 410-360-0198. The swing is not guaranteed to be effective against Chris Sale, pitchers who have just been called up from the minors, soft-toffing lefties, Royals pitchers in the ALCS, or when fans have placed a wager on the game. The swing can be used a maximum of 81 times for nine inning game and may lead to an increase of oblique strain. Don't get caught looking at this deal. Order The Swing, the easy way to put the ball in play. Wow. Uh, you really you really thought this out. I think it's got uh, a lot of uh, chances to work. You know, we've been talking about Chris Davis, and, and the biggest problem I've seen with him uh, thus far is failing to use the swing. And, and this product, <laughs> Charlie, is the difference, I think, between 2013 Chris Davis and whatever it is that we're looking at now. Uh, yeah. Um, and I actually can imagine that, that Dan Duquette would be the kind of person that would be really excited and tune into uh, an infomercial. <laughs> um, since I think I believe that he gets his suits via infomercials. Uh, I don't know if it would pass with Buck. Uh, it seems less likely. Um, also I, I don't mean to play devil's advocate here, but I recently watched a, uh, a YouTube short by John Boyas, uh, uh, a chart party um, in which he simulated what would happen if Barry Bonds had played the 2004 season without a baseball bat. Um, never swinging. Uh, and he had the conclusion is something like the fifth best on base percentage in baseball history. So I don't know, maybe if we never swing instead of, I'm not sure how this works. Charlie, we we I'm not sure, I'm not sure we, how it works. We talked about this. We we did the whole pre-show role and I was going to bring an advertisement and you were going to bring an advertisement and we I'm not going to bring an advertisement, Jake. I Listen, when when I had my own podcast, um we used to uh well we used to spend hours uh talking about just nothing and then we'd go on the air and then we'd be like really surprised that we had nothing to talk about i sort of thought that this was so when you said when you said that i should do that i thought you were joking so i didn't i didn't come up with i didn't do the homework i didn't come up with a product are, are you not familiar with the low standards of birds i view i i think that you should have also not come mm. up with a product mm. 
I think that I think it would have been better. You can fix it. Sure, doors, sure, yeah, yeah. We, okay. We've tried yeah, cutting me out out of out of most episodes. Actually, it's <laughs> how we work. Actually, <sighs> Charlie, it's not that's not a bad segue to our, our next uh, our, our next segment. So uh, let let me just say that you are gonna love uh, deep cuts, and if you don't, then then I will. So, Charlie, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our segment, uh, Deep Cuts, but this is a segment where Scott tries to pick an obscure piece of music, and if I can't guess it, then he punishes me with a brief conversation about stats. Um, and so far, I'm doing really, really terribly. Um, despite... I've, I've been following along. You're, you're despite his best it. efforts, by the way, to give me meteor and meteor softballs. I mean, he, he picked a Paul McCartney tune, or, or a song recorded by Paul McCartney live in concert, and I, I looked at him like I had no idea what music was. Um, but hey, with Scott out this week, I'm going to get some revenge. Look, I'm running the ones and the twos this week, and so I'm sorry, uh, but I'm going to take out all of my Deep Cuts anger onto you, Charlie. And uh, I've picked out a doozy this week uh, for Deep Cuts. So are you ready? Uh, I, I am. Uh, I do have one question. You're not going to punish me with a brief conversation about stats. I know that much about you. So what happens if I guess wrong? Um, you know, I haven't decided what I'm going to punish you with. Okay. Uh, I, I may That's make fine. you I'm, watch I'm... Orioles baseball. That that may be what happens. You know, you didn't come up with your own uh, product, so it, it's over between us. All <laughs> right. So, uh, Charlie, this is the first song that we're going to play, and I'd like you to uh, to tell me what this is. That's uh, The Walking Bass by uh, John Clayton uh, prior to his NFL uh, commentating career. You're, ki- you're kidding me. Stop, um, stop it. Stop it. Did, did Scotty put you up to this? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the same John Clayton, but I know it's The Walking Bass you- by John Clayton. You know what? No, I'm going to go to my second choice because I had something uh, else picked out that would be sure to uh, that would be sure to stump you. Classic. This one's easy. Uh, Richard Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries is performed, I think, by the Berliner Philharmoniker under the direction of, I want to say, Daniel Barenboim. Is am I in Charlie, the right ballpark? You're making, you're making me crazy. This is this is not. Mm-hmm. No. Stop mm-hmm. that. Stop that. No. 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 All right. I'm gonna pull out the big guns, and this is a shame because. I'm running out of material for when it's my turn with with Scott. But look, I'm gonna try my best. Here's another one. Do your worst. Okay, so I know it's it's Hanchan Segara. Uh, I know that much. Um, I think that this version. Is uh, is this Anushka Sankar's version of? Is that is that right? Charlie, I know she's got a very. I know that she. I know she does it. Charlie, yeah. I'm going to end this yeah. segment. What? And you're never coming back to deep cuts. Never. I don't. So what was my? Did I get it right? I think you. I is think you actually punished me. This segment is consistent, if nothing else. That's right. It is time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in this segment, uh, we talk about who made us proud 
as Orioles fans who made us ashamed to be Orioles fans and uh, and everything in between. Uh, so Scotty usually goes last, uh, but you are the guest this week, Char- uh, Charlie, so I'm going to ask you, what is your good? So first, some bad news. Uh, I'm probably going to leave you with some more editing here because I'm going to tell you a quick story that is uh, apropos of nothing. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, obviously. Uh, the very legendary... Um, very legendary scene, people eyeing each other down, epic, zooms in, ah, yeah, not my favorite Clint Eastwood showdown. A few dollars more with the music box, or with the, well, the chime in the, in the watch, have you, a few dollars more? Yeah, yeah. It's my, it's my, uh, it's my text tone, the entire thing is my text tone, and, uh, people hate me for it. People really hate me for it. My good for the week, um, I was I was thinking about going with uh, Dylan Bundy uh, this afternoon. Seven innings of two-run ball against the Yankees. Um, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to choose another Orioles pitcher. This this may sound crazy. Bear with me. Uh, um, but in a sea of bad, I'm going to give my good to Ubaldo Jimenez. What? Ubaldo uh, Jimenez. Yes, Ubaldo Jimenez. Listen. Six innings, two runs on Sunday in relief of Asher in what would have been his regular spot. Uh, that's not so bad. Definitely saved the bullpen, um, which always needs saving. No walks in six innings, five strikeouts, and he lowered his ERA on the season. He lowered his ERA to, oh, oh, he lowered his ERA to 6-6-6. That's not good. That I, I think I think you misunderstand what what the good thing is. Uh, Abaldo Jimenez didn't didn't light himself on fire on the mound that one time. That's your good for the week. I zero six six six. All right, I'm going to go to my good. Um, my good this well, week is uh, <laughs> is Kevin Gosman. Six point two innings pitched. Two earned runs, 107 pitches, and 80 of which were fastballs, which is good uh, because that's the difference between good Gosman and bad Gosman this year. It's the ability to locate that fastball um, in a way in which its location is not uh, back in the seats. This team needs a lot, but good pitching is on the top of that list, and getting good starts from Gosman is a very good thing. So Gosman this week is my good. How about your bad? What do you got? Yeah, what, I mean, what what can we pick this week that could possibly be bad? I ask you. <laughs> well, um, as I said earlier, the worst of the worst, Chris Davis. Yikes! Uh, including this afternoon, last twenty six at bats, he's had two hits. Two hits. Uh, granted, uh, it was a triple and a homer, so that's kind of nice, right? Getting those extra bases. Twenty six at bats, two hits, Jake. Two hits, twenty six at bats in all that time. He, I did, there's an additional plate appearance. He walked in it. Ooh. So there you go. So 27 plate appearances, two hits, one walk. He also struck out 13 times. So exactly half of his at-bats, half of his last 26 at-bats, he struck out and got two hits. Jake, he had two hits. Let, let me ask you something, and I, I mean this sincerely. Uh, $168 million, right? Jake, he had 26 at-bats and he had two hits. How many bottles of the swing does $160 million buy you? <laughs> the swing. Strike out in a different way than you're striking out currently. My bad for the week is Alec Asher. And uh, it, it is not because he performed poorly that one time. It's not. Uh, Alec Asher, I've been I've been crying uh, into the wilderness for Alec Asher to get the fifth starter spot all season, and, and he 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 had a stinker. It was an absolute clunker, and I acknowledge that it was not good. Uh, it was after, bad after after being uh, yeah, thank you. It was bad. After, take, this is the bad bad oh, section. Okay. At, okay. After being handed a lead, he had a 42 pitch second <laughs> inning and gave up six earned runs. But that's not the bad thing, Charlie. That's not. The bad thing this week about Alec Asher is that he opened the door. Tell me the worst. Tell me the worst. The return <laughs> of Abaldo Jimenez to the rotation. That that is exactly what I think is the problem here. I am not so upset with the fact that he he uh, put his own team away in the second inning. My problem is that he did it at a time where it is most likely 
for Abaldo Jimenez to be able to wound me every fifth day. You know, we uh, we have show notes in front of us, and it's still worse when you say it out loud. Like it, like like way worse. So, so for example, like the part that that was bad, that was unfortunate, but it wasn't the bad. Minute. That was like that was the that was fine. <laughs> well, this is trending in the right direction. So, Charlie, what's ugly this week? <laughs> it got worse. Um, I'm giving it to Orioles Twitter. I'd like, dear Lord, everyone, just, just stop, just stop, breathe. Um, as Jake suggested, and you certainly will not listen to, do not tweet. Just don't tweet. It's it. You don't have to tweet. Nobody is making anyone tweet. You just could just not tweet. My ugly, my ugly Orioles Twitter. It's just I, I. I it was All right, uh, I, I concur. Bad. I concur. ugly. I'm sorry. It's not bad. It's ugly. I'm I'm sputtering here, Jake, because it's just it's so bad. Charlie, it seems that the Orioles and Twitter have made you feel emotions this week. <laughs> My ugly this week yes. are emotions. emotions. That's, that's yes, emotions. We'll go with, we'll go with emotions. That's really funny, that's Charlie, <laughs> because my ugly for this week is emotions. <laughs> um I hate feeling this way. I hate it. I hate feeling this way <laughs> that I have felt for the past two weeks because I know this feeling because I lived it from 1998 to 2011. I hate going to a baseball game or watching a baseball game or listening to it on the radio and and having something happen and me going, oh, I know how this inning's going to end, or, oh, I know how this game's going to end. I could switch it off right now and not lose anything else. And and that feeling, uh, though I, I'm failing to come up with a word for it, no, it's despair. That's what that feeling is. I hate feeling like this with the Orioles. And look, this could just be a rough patch. This could be two weeks in a long season. I get that it's a marathon and yada, yada, yada. This has been so ugly because it's just sucked. I don't like feeling this way orioles please i i'm gonna i'm gonna wander into baltimore on territory just very briefly just stick with me charlie um the other day i i got home <clears throat> we did dinner i put the kids to bed and i realized oh uh it's 8 30 p.m and i haven't checked the news all day i i don't know what horrible things may or may not have taken place today uh i have two options here I can fire up the old electronic device and and make myself sad with current events, or I can wander into three hours of escapism of Orioles baseball. And I chose the latter, and I'm pretty sure I ended up sadder than I would have if I had gone the other way. Orioles baseball is making me feel emotions, and and I just I don't like them. So my ugly is the way I feel uh, when things feel hopeless. You can't. You can't argue uh, with that. It's it's been bleak. What's that? It's been bleach. It's been bleach. Is that what it's I hear? Been, it's going to be bleach. Um, and so, Jake, uh, I think we're at the end of the show. Tell me if I'm doing this right. It's time to blow the save. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I got to be honest though. I I did not prepare anything. Well, I'm going to piggyback on top of of what you said uh, about baseball being escapism. It's been a, a weird year for a lot of people. The news is more newsy than ever. Sometimes it's not even news. Sometimes it's fake. Twitter's a rough place to be. Facebook's a little bit darker. You, you don't know what to believe. And regardless of what you believe, it's all not good. And to retreat into something like, like baseball is so important for so many people. Um, and, you know, when that lets you down, as it's been doing to you and I this past week you got to find you got to find another thing um so I want to I'm going to toss this out there tell me what you think this escapism this silver screen distracting people from the great war kind of vibe that we're going for here I love podcasts you love podcasts you're we're on a podcast right now the people listening then presumably at least know what a podcast is you know it's it's not you know a great ant at Yours and my respective family gatherings, and they say, "What have you been doing lately?" And you say, "Podcasting," and they don't know what you're talking about. These people, we all we're all on the same page here. Podcasts. Tell me, tell me a couple 
non-baseball podcasts, or at least non-Orioles podcasts, that have really been been pulling you out of the dredges lately. Okay, before we get into that, I know two really great non-baseball, non-Orioles podcasts to listen to. Uh, the first is Orioles Spastics. And the second <laughs> is is uh, Baltimoreans. Both of those podcasts will deliver on a lack of Orioles content and a lack of baseball content on the regular. And and Charlie, before I let you talk uh, again, I just want to say that I've gone back not recently, but but a long time after it came out and re-listened to the Vaniversary episode. And <laughs> if if you if you need to feel better about life in general and just humanity as a species go back and listen to the spastics anniversary uh episode because it's it's a thing <laughs> of glory i think we have it on our our youtube if you really want to dig okay real <laughs> r- real answer uh can i can i uh tell you a podcast Please. that i've been really enjoying lately um Please. i am a big dork and enjoy the television program the west wing oh uh and i have been listening to the west wing weekly which yes. is a show uh, that is hosted by uh, Josh Molina, who played Will Bailey from seasons, what, four through through the end of the show, and his friend Rishikesh Hirway. And uh, it is self-referential and at times kind of obnoxious and at times not at all about the West Wing and maybe sometimes too progressive uh, lib, but it's a lot of fun and a really nice way to uh, a companion piece for watching the show. So I, I've really enjoyed that over the last couple of weeks. That is a stellar pick. Josh Molina is so incredibly annoying and hilarious. It's, it's it was so wonderful. Ha, huh, that is funny. Um, <laughs> nice. Very good. Um, I've got a couple. I um, <laughs> I've got a couple. Um, Family Ghosts. Um, tell me, course, tell me more of this Family Ghosts. What is this? So, so of course, Family Ghosts is uh, the podcast that is currently headed up by my friend and yours, Sam Dingman of Baltimoreans fame. Um, his his podcast, Family Ghosts, uh, was picked up and it's going to go into syndication or whatever real podcasts that make money <laughs> get. What is that? Um, I don't, I don't understand. I think something good is happening for Sam. And also the podcast is just, it's beautiful. It's, yeah. um, yeah. it's, it's a great storytelling podcast. He, he t- tells a story in the first episode about, um, a member of his family, um, that is sort of, you know, the specter of that person has sort of hung over his family for a long time, <laughs> sort of this legendary person. It's, it's this incredible story. And the way that the show will play out throughout time is, um, you'll find other people and, their family's ghosts um it's it's an incredible beautiful um piece of art really like i I don't want to oversell sam but it's really great um additionally um really enjoy the work of the guys from uh bald move they do a, a podcasting network if you're big into tv i love tv love 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 tv they have a podcast probably for whatever you're listening to uh, or whatever you're watching, rather. Um, so if it's uh, the West, if it's if it's Westworld, they got it. If it's The Leftovers, they got it. If it's Better Call Saul, what, whatever prestige television, um, or you know, in the case of The Walking Dead, not prestige television. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, so a- another favorite of mine. I started listening to a program by a podcast uh, podcaster named Mike Duncan, who uh, produced a podcast called The History of Rome. He stopped producing that podcast, and he now uh, has a podcast called Revolutions, where he goes through the history of just that political revolutions. Uh, he started with uh, he started with the uh, the revolution in uh, in England, uh, the English Civil War, went to the American Revolution, on to the, the French Revolution, Haiti, uh, Bolivia. Really fascinating. And the cool thing is, is that it. <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's like 18 to 25 minutes at a time, really consumable. It's not too too heavy, and he, he's just it's not no no. History. He just he tells really <laughs> compelling stories in a very succinct and fun way. Uh, I really dig that podcast. That's awesome. Well, that I mean, if if you're going to have some escapism, tune out of current events. Maybe tune out. A couple days this week of Orioles baseball. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't and listen to this podcast. No, it's not one of the ones we recommend. Well, I think that is the perfect note to say this. That's our show.
Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Uh, of course, Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Lots of good podcasts there. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. It helps establish what we call social proof about the show and encourages new listeners to check it out. Um, engage with the guys on social media, uh, you can find them on Instagram, Facebook, Google Plus, and Snapchat. Uh, best way to get hold of them is Twitter. They're a must-follow, at BirdseyeViewBAL. Charlie, thanks so much for joining us on episode 203. Uh, tell me this. If we fire up the podcast signal again, uh, will you return to save the day? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't flame out too bad. You'll take me back if, if uh, it comes to that. I think to understand the... <laughs> standards of this show uh, yeah i mean yeah it's fun I'll, I'll absolutely be back hey everyone stay safe out there good luck this week and with that baltimore and beyond i bid you all a fun adieu adieu You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.